Hey, everybody. My name is Rob Shear, and I'm the founder of a national nonprofit called Comfort Cases. I'm also an advocate for children in our foster care system, a public speaker, an author of a book, A Forever Family. But most importantly, I am the father of four amazing children. Hi, I'm Dana McKay, and I saw Rob on The Ellen Show, and when I realized his organization was based right here where I live, I knew I had to get involved. I'm also a social media consultant, a radio host, a podcast producer, and a mother of two children. See, our country's foster care system is shattered, and this podcast is about how we as a community can come together to bring about change, changing the system, and changing the lives of children in care. Welcome to the Fostering Change Podcast. Today we are talking to Brianna Williams. Brianna is a Comfort Cases ambassador. She works in a residential treatment facility for teens dealing with substance abuse and other challenges, many of whom have been touched by the foster care system. Brianna is also currently Mrs. Tri-State All-Star United States, and she's done a ton of work for Comfort Cases, raising funds, collecting donations, and just being an all-around rock star for us. So, Brianna, thank you for joining us today. Hey, thank you for having me. You know, Brianna, I am absolutely, I always get amazed when I see people go beyond the call um, and do things, you know, to help our community, which is what we all should. Today, for those of you, one of these days, Dana and I are going to have a video podcast because today I have my Be a Good Human t shirt on. And um, because I think it's important that we all try to be a good human. But I want to throw a couple of things out there. Number one, I follow you on social media and have for a while. Um, and I see the amazing stuff that you do. And by the way, not just for comfort cases. You know, um, the Ronald McDonald House is, and I have not told anyone this story at all, but the Ronald McDonald House is so, so important to our family. And the reason for that is um, when we lived in the District of Columbia, we, um, my children, their, um, I guess we'd call her their aunt, even though it wasn't her aunt, she was the executive director of the Ronald McDonald House in D.C. And so my kids, it was their first experience of volunteering when they were little. And we used to make meals and take them to the Ronald McDonald House. And we would go over to the Ronald McDonald House all the time. And so when I saw that you you actually take meals and pack lunches and you volunteer at the Ronald McDonald House, you I mean, I didn't think I could love you any more than I already do, but wow, I am so impressed. So my question is, one, how did you get involved with the Ronald McDonald House? Well, actually, when I was born, I was life-flighted immediately. Um, So I spent the first two months of my life in the hospital. So my mom spent uh, that time out in a camper in the hospital parking lot. Thankfully that my uh, great-grandparents were able to do that because at that point, Ronald McDonald houses were just starting to pop up in the area, so that was not an option at that time. But the, one of the most important things my mom remembers is to be able to come back to that camper in the evening after spending the day with me was having a home-cooked meal. So that's where the whole idea of me taking meals to Ronald McDonald House, and my family has been really uh, instrumental in making sure that happens. Uh, my grandmother and my aunt and everyone, they make sure that I have donations or they'll hand me money when they see me and so I can go to make a Sam's run to make sure I have uh, stuff to pack um, for the breakfast bags because that's my main thing is breakfast bags um, to take to, for them to grab in the morning um, so that they don't have to spend a lot of time 
prepping and making breakfast when they want to be able to go over and see their children. I love that. That's incredible. And my my husband spent time at Ronald McDonald House because when his brother was born, he was in the NICU and had a lot of special needs. So he spent a lot of time there. So it seems like everybody here has a connection to Ronald McDonald House. Wow. I was, I didn't even know that story, yes, Dana. That is like, absolutely, wow. Absolutely. So, so um, was Ronald McDonald House, was that part of your platform when, um, as you've been running for different types of um, titles? Yes, that was my uh, first um, until I got started with comfort cases. That was had been my major focus. And then when until I got started into the residential facility and then started to see a, what a lot of children go through, especially um, being in the foster care system and being in the juvenile justice um, facilities. So then my shift started, but then I couldn't choose one over the other. So I've kind of combined forces and I do a little bit of both. It's amazing. And so what about working? What what drew you to wanting to work in a residential facility? Because, you know, a lot of times those kids get a bad rep for being just troubled kids. Oh, they're in juvie and stuff like that. So what drew you to that? And what do you see in those kids that makes you feel inspired to really help them? I spent three years in public school and I didn't feel like I was making that big of a difference. So I really wanted to go somewhere where I could make a difference. So then that's how I ended up in a residential facility. And every day you see something different. You make a difference in the lives of those children because you're the most constant person you're in their lives at that point in time uh, because a lot of them have families that are pretty vacant um, or no families at all at that point in time. So we're the most constant. So we're their support system at that point in time. And that's, the big draw for that. They, when you, they have those eye opening, oh my gosh, I can get an A in class or I can write, I can actually write that essay because they have someone that believes in them. So, um, again, something we haven't talked about and I don't know if we will talk about it because it's not my story, but, um, we have dealt in the last two years, um, Wow, this is going to get me emotional. Um, we've dealt the last two years at a residential facility um, and have dealt with several different ones. Um, I'm happy to say that, you know, we haven't had to deal with one since the beginning of March, and I hope we never have to deal with one again. But what I noticed as um, I've, you know, maneuvered myself through the the system for the last two years having to deal with a residential facility is I have always been so heartbroken as we would visit that there would be little very few visitors and as I would speak to people who worked at the residential facility they would tell me that there are kids in those facilities who sometimes are there for six eight months, even a year, and no one visits them but a social worker. Do, do you see that as well? Yeah, and we see that a good bit. Or their homes have been deemed unsafe for them to be able to go home. We have children that will go home on a home visit, and then they'll call over the weekend because they want to come back. So we see that a good bit, and it really affects them because when they see their peers, being able to go home and visit their family and knowing that they don't get to go home that weekend because they don't have that to go to. Uh, it's been, it's really difficult to watch that and you can watch their behaviors kind of fluctuate due to that. And especially right now with all of the COVID stuff, 
they're not allowed to have visits. They've been doing Zoom calls because of all of this to help kind of keep all of that out of the facility at the moment. So it's it's hard to believe and to see um, and just kind of put yourselves in their shoes to imagine what they're feeling because I'm sure it's extremely difficult for, for them. You know, what would you say the percentage of kids who are in the residential facility um, are from foster care? I would say at least half of them have been in the foster care system at some point in time, if not more. Some will talk about it, some will not. Um, and then some, they will go in and then they'll be out because their parents have done the, went through the protocols and everything to allow them to go back um, with their uh, families, their grandparents, or whoever their guardian is at that time. But I would say at least 50% have been in it at some point in their life, for sure. Wow. That's a big number, Dana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's sad. It's hard to think about. You know, I think about how many times articles we've read where, you know, so many kids are put in a residential facility because they can't find a bed for them. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I, um, you know, I think about, I think about my boys, you know, I have four boys and I think about my boys in the small little town we live in. And if my um, one son were to, let's say, steal a piece of candy from five below, they would call his parents, um, I would hope. But I think that what we see more is that we immediately see kids, and especially kids of color, um, black and brown kids who are immediately deemed that they are quote unquote bad and they're put in these facilities. Um, does the facility actually, is it a unisex facility? Yes. What's, the youngest, have- da- what's the youngest age? Uh, the youngest, 12 is very rare, but we have had a 12-year-old this year. I think that's the youngest that we can accept and that we have had. And that we go all the way up to 21, but we rarely, they don't stay after 18. Um, our facility has a program where they're usually, you can get out in six months if you are successful and you get through the bridge system, or usually it's a 9 to 12 month, give or take, because they have, they have growing pain. What about volunteers? Are you allowed to have volunteers? We do not. Um, I'm not sure if they um, are allowed those there. I've never had that question before, actually. Uh, we have a lot of, we have tutors that come in to help our students uh, during the school day. So I guess that is some sort of a volunteer um, aspect. But as in staff, um, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, because I would think that it's something that more residential facilities should look at is, you know, we're always, Dana, you and I always get emails about people wanting to do more. Yeah, absolutely. But I kind of wonder what could volunteers actually provide in that setting unless they are trained to be social workers or they're trained to do a certain skill to help the kids. What about mentoring, just shooting some basketball with them? Yeah. uh, Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that may be an option. A lot of our staff, uh, the host agency staff that work there, they build a bond with a lot of these kids um, that continues even after um, when the kids leave. After so many years, I believe they're allowed to have contact again with them. We are not um, as teachers, but the there some of the host agency staff, they'll often call, the kids will often call in 
and say, hey, I'm doing really well. I just wanted to check in, see how everyone was doing. So um, that's a great way, and that shows that they really did have a bond with a lot of those staff. They'll sometimes send letters in to us, um, just giving us the same thing, like a check-in. I'm I'm working here, or um, I'm I'm in college right now. So we at least get some glimpses of the good of once they leave because sometimes we don't get those glimpses or they come back to us. So those happy glimpses of good are a breath of fresh air for sure. So uh, Rob obviously must know this, but I don't. So how did you first get involved with Comfort Cases? Well, I actually first watched uh, Little Miss United States, Ariana, on social media and I'm like man that's such a great organization and it goes so well with what I do because I had heard all this the kids tell you their stories and their background and there's often sometimes those kids come with nothing or very little also so after watching her and all of the great things she was able to do I contacted um, Comfort Cases and spoke with Barry one day on the phone and and it's kind of just rolled from there which I absolutely love, by the way. I, you know, okay, so I, I'm going to throw a couple stories in there that I think I've, I've made these stories before. So our listeners are like, oh, damn it. Here he goes again. Um, I knew nothing about title holders, by the way. I only knew about watching um, Bob Barker when he used to, to host. <laughs> the Miss America pageant. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And I knew nothing about it. I used to always think to myself, these are just beautiful women um, and, you know, with really nice bodies and they wore beautiful clothes. And then that was it. And they went around the country and they cut a ribbon. And that literally, I am 53 years old, up until I was almost 50, almost 50. I still thought that, okay? And so what happened was about four years ago, someone reached out to me and said, would you consider coming and um, judging, I think it was a Miss Appalachian title. And I remember going, are you kidding me? I don't, you know, I really, I really didn't, I didn't like them. My daughter wasn't into them. We stopped watching them and I just felt like it was, it was just, it didn't make any sense to me, but I was like, okay, you know what? If they're going to let me talk about comfort cases, I'm going to do it. So I go and I met some of the most amazing young women I'd ever met in my life. And by the way, totally smart we're talking doctors we're talking all of these were young girls going into college that they were looking for scholarship money and i didn't realize the amount of scholarship money you can get by being a title holder but then i even learned something else which is i learned the five pillars and that's why the crown is the way it's set because each one of the crown pillars means something whether it's sisterhood or community but i was just i will tell you it totally changed the way i looked at any of these title holders um 
And when I when they would stand in front of me judging and they would read their you know, I would read their bios, um, it it just it blew my mind. And so here you are, a title holder, and you know, you find out about comfort cases. And by the way, for those of you who do not know, please, please follow my friend on social media. Um, she has done so much. Just recently you did a baby um um, you did a baby drive, which we needed so, so bad. But then you drove the over two hours to bring the <laughs> stuff here. And while you're here, you're volunteering. And I'm going to tell you, um, the whole ambassador thing, I can't thank you enough. I mean, you do so, so much. What's your next thing that you see you're going to be doing as a title holder? The next thing um ron mcdonald house we're getting ready to launch an art auction because everything has been canceled just like uh, your guys's gala got canceled so we're trying to find ways to raise money so that is um the next major thing is we're gearing up for the art auction for them uh also, um, for you guys, it's back to school season and they've got all sorts of back to school sales going on. So it's like prime time to um, do journals, pencils, crayons and everything because they're really, really on sale right now. So I planned on doing a back to school drive for comfort cases in August. So that's the main next thing. And um, the national pageant is I'm leaving for it on Tuesday. And I'll be going to Savannah to compete for Mrs. All-Star United States. Oh, that's amazing. That's awesome. And so how are they doing that with COVID and everything? How are you able to compete? Is it just you get up there with no audience or how are they doing that? Georgia has doesn't have uh, major restrictions at the moment. We're going to definitely follow social um, distancing and all of the guidelines um, set forth. Um, as of right now, we are going to be able to allow, be allowed to have audience members. Um, and so I don't know how much, how much that's going to change between now and um, the 1st of August, because that is like an ever-evolving thing. So I guess it will depend on... Um, Georgia and their stipulations by that point. But right now we are allowed to have audience members. So I'm very thankful for that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, you know, we have friends. Like, um, um, Whitney. Whitney lives in, in Savannah. In Savannah. Yep. So mm-hmm. um, Whitney, who is um, a huge supporter, she has a, a foundation, a charity down there, um, which is helping kids find housing who are aging out of the system. So um, she's amazing. We love Savannah. And we took our kids to Savannah a couple of years ago for vacation, the first time I'd ever been. But look, do me a favor, wear a mask. Be careful. Yeah. Um, I, the, the numbers are increasing in Georgia, and that always scares me um i i want to jump real quick on the you know i love the whole arts um thing for ronald mcdonald and please make sure that you keep me posted on that hopefully it'll be a lot on social media but um i love thank you for talking about comfort cases and doing um the back to school because that is the time um as for those who have seen our cases or seen brianna um collect items or or gone through our website crayon 
ions are something that we put in every single case. And right now, I heard you can get crayons as cheap as like 20 cents. Oh, yeah. They're super cheap yeah. at, for back to school. Yeah. And pens and pencils and everything, too. Yeah, I was so starting, and, that, yes. and journals, that's the type of stuff. Yeah, we need all that stuff for comfort cases. And if you go on uh, Brianna's social media, and we'll post the links um, on our podcast page at comfortcases.org slash podcast, um, Brianna is amazing at hosting comfort cases, donation drives. And what maybe people don't know, and Brianna, you can, you can speak on this and how you organize it, but people can do donation drives for us anywhere in the country. And you can limit it to a certain number of items like Brianna did just a baby item drive, or you can reach out to us, ask us, what do you need? And you could even just do one item. I'm collecting backpacks for comfort cases, but those donation drives really, really help us. And we partner with a company called give back box that lets you ship the stuff to us really, really inexpensive. It's like $15 for a label and you can ship up to 50 pounds of stuff to us. So all that info will be on our podcast page. But Brianna, how do you organize your donation drives? The most successful thing that I have come to find is Amazon wish list. So I'll go on on my Amazon and I'll make a wish list of everything I need and then I just push it out on social media constantly. And it is amazing the amount of people that you may just be an acquaintance with or you may only know through a work friend that will donate. I have come home many days when I run these donation drives and my porch is full of boxes. And it's always a nice surprise to open them to see who sent them because you don't know until um, you get your get the packages and open up to see who the label is from. So... That Amazon wish list has been so fantastic and it's worked really well. Um, I think my first round of donations to Comfort Cases that first time last October, I think I delivered almost 1,500 items, which wow. was insane. It was like four of those Rubbermaid wheelie carts in. And then this last time, I think it was close to 650 items, I believe. And it's been all from that Amazon wish list mostly. And people are really giving. They just don't always know how to help. And so this way, they figure it out. They get the word out. And they're like, oh, I can help by doing this. And it's just a, a simple thing. And a lot of the items are under, you know, $5, $10. And so it's very inexpensive, but you can, you get a lot of bang for your buck with a lot of those items. Right. And we like to say it little by little, a little becomes a lot. So, you know, yeah. somebody's five or $10 item that they donate added with mine and yours and everybody else's, it really adds up to a lot. And that stuff helps us because if we don't receive it, then we have to spend our money to buy it. And then we need money for shipping and other things. So it's right. super helpful. Yeah, I, I agree 100% with you on that. And I, I hearing those numbers just blow my mind. So I, for our listeners, I, I'm going to, I'm going to put a challenge out there for you, my, everyone, you know, um, let's, let's do an amazing August back to school. Let's, you know, I was filming a show a couple of years ago. There was a young boy who opened up his, he was 13. He opened up his case and he pulled out his journal and started to cry. And Dana, I've told the story so many times. To you you probably could recite it but he started to cry and I went over and I asked him why he was crying and he said I've been in 11 homes in the last three years and he says in every home I went into I had all this music in my mind and the only thing I ever did was want to have a journal to write it in and he pulled out his 50 cents 50 cents guys composition book 
And to that boy, it was gold. To that boy, it was his future. So I'm, I'm, I'm putting a challenge out there to our listeners. Um, as we put this on social media, all of our friends who follow Brianna, um, let's collect as many pencils, pens, crayons, and journals than we have ever collected before. So those four items, literally, you could probably get all four items for under $3. Yeah, you know, absolutely. if you go to Staples, Walmart, mm-hmm. Target, um, they have them right now. I was just in Target with my daughter. I was shocked at all the back-to-school stuff that was there, even though she was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> even though we don't even know if they're going are to school. I <laughs> yeah. know, I know. and and But they were on the show. So I, I'm challenging everybody. So listen, you know, Brianna, it has been an absolute gem. This won't be the last time that you will be on Fostering Change. Um, everyone, we're hoping within the next 30 days that we will have a ambassador page that will be on our website that you will be able to go in. You'll be able to read about our ambassadors and our platform, and we will keep it updated on how they're doing as they are looking for other titles to to be holding but we will also be able to give you information of how you can get items to them because they're always getting items to us and so with that brianna i am just so thrilled to be able to call you my friend now as we end this segment um and by the way um for those of you who didn't realize this and i and i wasn't going to bring it up but i'm going to um dana and i just celebrated our one year anniversary it's been a year since we well this will be podcast episode 50 so we did miss two because you know what i mean like 52 weeks in a year but we did miss two uh two weeks of podcast but um yeah it's been a year since we started this which is amazing (laughs) and it's grown and i actually had somebody message me this morning and said that she listened to the episode that we uh, that we just put out and she was like oh my gosh I want to hug her so much like she was listening to the podcast and she listened to it because she subscribes I hadn't even put it on Facebook yet so, that is so amazing yeah. so listen you know for all those who are listening out there um, in our next year we're going to start doing sponsors we want people to sponsor our podcast to be able to help us continue doing this and help us pay for shipping and so most people who do podcasts they do the sponsors and they want the sponsors to you know line their pockets and if you know dana and i we're not those type of people we are the type of people that we want to give back but you know but every time we end a podcast dana always has a question to ask and and we keep saying this but i think dana we should do a podcast just based on the answers i know we could just put them all together um (laughs) so brianna if you could change two things about the foster care system what would they be uh one more proactive Getting to the getting getting to the children and making sure they have the resources they need before they get to that point, and two, making sure when they are going into a foster care home, they also have what they need, which Comfort Cases provides. Um, so making sure all those kids have what they need so that they feel more comfortable going into the home. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We look forward to talking again soon. And by the way, if we don't talk to you by the time you go to Savannah, one, be safe. Number two, we got your back, my friend, and we know you're going to take this one. So keep us posted. We love you. And thank you for being part of the Comfort Cases family. Take care. Hey, thank you. Thank you, Brianna. 
Dana and I would like to thank all of you for listening to the Fostering Change podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Make sure you follow Comfort Cases on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Comfort Cases. And check out the Fostering Change blog at comfortcases.org. So everybody, we want to hear your stories. So reach out to us if you would like to be a guest on the podcast. You can find me on Facebook at Rob Shear, Instagram at Rob underscore Shear, and on Twitter at Rob Shear 6. And please share this podcast and leave us a review. Remember, we're all part of the same community. Your zip code, it's not your community, but it's our human race. Let's all make a difference.